Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. back once again bread and circuses podcast i am rooster here with crow hello how you doing crow not too bad got a little headache i don't know if that'll really? make i don't know if that'll make uh make me uh more sullen or more spicy we shall see what's your little headache's name um regina <laughs> okay all right well, if we sound funny, uh we're doing this remotely because again schedules don't match up very well we were gonna record earlier today at the first bunker and the power went out just as i was on my way there so. yeah so i i called crow and i said uh you better turn around so he uh, went back and pretended to go to work and uh, probably just went home to drink well i actually have i i ordered those those uh food prep boxes that you can order it was like seven or eight different meal prep kits you can you know monthly meal preps and i ordered one and uh you know because it was the a cheap you know beginner deal and uh, made some meals and, and uh, then quickly canceled the subscription because it would have jumped up like 60% in price for the next one. And then uh-huh. they, they contact me back again to go, oh, you know, please try us again. You can you can uh, do uh, every meal for 250 And I'm like, holy shit, that's cheap. So I I did the uh, first box where you uh, you get five five meals, uh, four, five four-person meals for 250 a piece, which was a pretty good deal. So I've been cooking those, but I'm no cook. And I make a big fucking mess. It takes me a lot longer than it probably should. And, uh, you know, it turns out okay. But uh, by the time I'm done, I'm, like, pretty stressed. <laughs> Cooking's not hard. I don't know why you freak out over it. So I don't know, fun. man. I make such a fucking mess when I do it that it's just I, 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 do not, I do not look forward to the cleanup afterwards. Well, you will not make a good wife. <laughs> so... Um, well, do we have anything to talk about? No, I was kind of lamenting that, gosh, there's just nothing to talk about anymore in this world. <laughs> you know, it's almost a utopia well, because of the Democrats, because of Biden and the Democrats. They've really kind of held up their end of the bargain, haven't they? Yeah, no kidding. Well, I suppose that uh, we can stop being sarcastic and mm. just get into it. Yeah. Um, this whole Afghanistan thing is a complete clusterfuck, and I have a feeling based on a short conversation we had today, my take on this is going to surprise you. Okay. Well, let's uh, quickly just, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows, but uh, uh, we had been in Afghanistan for 20 years. 20 years, yep. And um, all the presidents didn't really, they kind of kicked the can down the road. They didn't really know what to do about it. And uh, Trump came by and said, you know, hey, we're done. We're done with the uh, overseas stuff. So we're going we're gonna to bring our troops home. And he made a plan with uh, with the you know the provisional the Taliban, as yeah, Joe, well, uh, Joe Biden keeps calling it. Yeah, the Taliban and the provisional government or the government that we installed, and saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, you know, we're going to go out." I think it was May, right? January, February. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was supposed uh, to be May 31st. So it's supposed to be May thirty first, and the and the plan, the plan, the Taliban signed off on this somehow, I guess, and uh, they they were supposed to pull out and, uh, you know, orderly and, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
but Biden came in and uh, decided, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna scrap that first uh, that first uh, deal we made, and we're gonna we're gonna be there three more months, which kind of, from my understanding, kind of null and null and voided the deal with the Taliban. Well, I think the Taliban um, screwed up. From what I hear, they uh, fudged the deal first. Okay, but regardless. There was there was a withdrawing being done, um, and uh, what's one of the many parts of this that's completely bullshit is Biden getting up there and well, first of all, he's at Camp David for the week, and I don't begrudge people going on vacation, and you know when you're the president, there's always going to be some crisis. So at some point, you know you're going to be on vacation when there's a crisis. So I I can't I can't jump on the bandwagon of oh you know what's this guy doing hanging out you know, on vacation when this happens. Um, but he flew in basically for an hour to give this speech and turned around and went right back. Yeah. Um, and he and, didn't, he didn't uh, take questions. And no, uh, did it, you see at the end of his, at the end of his teleprompter, it said, walk out now. No, it's something along those lines. I, I swear I got to look this up, but uh, people saw his teleprompter and the speech at the end of the speech, it goes like, walk away now. <laughs> well, there's there's so many points on this, and you know we'll try and get through them because we have lots of stuff to talk about. But um, we could spend the whole time talking about this. The I first of all, I think we should have been gone from there uh, 19 years and nine months ago. Um, I think, you know, uh, you and I were talking earlier about uh, the differing opinions between uh, Matt Walsh, who you adore, um, and. <laughs> I like Matt Walsh's opinions too. And uh, Dan Crenshaw, whom you hate. And uh, I do not hate. I have to keep saying this. I do not hate Crenshaw. Yes, you do. Every time we, every time we're talking, you're like, God, I hate that guy. Anyway. So, uh, um, Crenshaw said basically, no, we should be there because it'll, it's sort of the, not his words, but kind of the lily pad effect. It allows us to, you know, keep a pulse on some of our enemies. It's just a very strategic part of the world. Um, and though I, unlike you, uh, like Dan Crenshaw a lot, <laughs> I uh, completely disagree with him on this. I think our military should be used uh, to intimidate, scare, break, and destroy. And so when we went in there to get Osama bin Laden and the Taliban, um, we had them on the run within three months. I mean, smashed up, broken, scattered all over the place. I think we should have spent another month talking to local warlords and going, hey, you got this because you may not like us, but we don't like them and we're not sticking around. We should have shown up, kicked the shit out of them and left. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's what our military is for. I do not like this. And George Bush was the first one to screw it up. This whole nation building, they're trying to bring democracy to a part of the world that doesn't understand, appreciate or value democracy. Now they don't care. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that's that's part of what Matt, Matt Walsh was saying and others have said too. Um but I did uh understand what Crenshaw was saying that it's not we aren't that the goal never was nation building until uh to, to Afghanistan. Now, from what I've heard, it sounds an awful lot like nation building, building the roads, infrastructure, 20 years of training for the army, you know, putting together their political their helping I mean, it sounds like nation building to me. But according to yeah, Dan it, Crenshaw, it, he said it, that's not what it was. Absolutely was. 
No, it absolutely was. And oh, yeah. uh, as the, much the as the shines I, coming I like off of Crenshaw, Crenshaw. <laughs> as much as I like Dan Crenshaw, no, because I believe, unlike most humans nowadays, that you can agree with someone most of the time and then disagree with them once, and it doesn't mean that you know you have to cut that person. No, out I'm pretty sure you hate him now. Uh, nope, there's just a thing that we disagree <laughs> on, um, and I think. I think, uh, you know, people will say, well, Dan Crenshaw spent all those years in the SEALs and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that that means maybe you want him running a uh, uh, military operation way before I ever would, and I'll concede that. But I will not concede the point about what a military should be used for, and it should be used to kill people and break stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. The only thing that had me kind of second-guessing myself when I was listening was when he did say, Having a, uh, having a military presence and a base over there, um, especially that close to China and that close to Afghan or um, um, Iran, is a good thing. Um, but when has that ever worked? It didn't work for Russia there. It's not going to work for China, by the way. China's trying to move in there. It's not going to work for them. It didn't work for the French in Vietnam. It didn't work for us in Vietnam. It doesn't work. The only places that we've managed to keep bases are places where people also value democracy. Yeah, well, South Afghanistan. Korea, yeah. Japan, Germany, places like that. What's the quote? Afghanistan is the graveyard of uh, empires? Something like that? Well, I think there was a book I read, that I uh, audio book that I gave to you to listen to um, called The Outpost. Yeah. And they talk about an outpost they put in a strategically uh, well-placed, tactically... Uh, uh, clusterfucked base to stop the Taliban from coming over from Pakistan. Cause that's sort of where they run and hide. Um, and, uh, this, this base had no viable road into it and you had a helicopter in. And, um, I think there's a, a Clint Eastwood's kid, Scott was in a movie about it. It's a pretty good movie. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they explained sort of that whole thing. And, um, you know, in that book, I believe it mentions that this was even like the last place that Alexander the Great conquered, that people live like the 13th century there and they're fine with it. Uh, they would yeah. just much rather live on their own. So no matter who shows up, they fight against. Yeah. Them. And they really don't they, they don't want to modernize the the whole, uh, you know, women's suffrage and women's rights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's that's a drop in the bucket for for how backwards they are. They we we spent billions of dollars building roads, like building trillions. roads. Okay. We spent yeah. over two trillion dollars there. Yeah. And, and part of that was roads. And uh, once we built the roads, they're basically unpassable now because they refuse to keep upkeep them. They, they don't want them. They don't care. Yeah, we made uh, we built schools. Uh, they chased the locals out of them yeah. and uh, made them into bases, and now they're burning them. So everything we did there was undone, and it was undone because we pulled out of there now. And there's all sorts of conflicting reports, and, you know, I will – everything I mention here, take with a grain of salt because it could just be someone saying, you know, oh, well, we're all reliable, so, re reliable sources are telling me we have uh, over 10,000 American citizens there. Um, with, there's a bunch of contractors who may or may not be Americans, but have worked with Americans. We pulled out, uh, when our allies said they were willing to stay, there were civilian contractors there saying, Hey, that the, um, Afghan 
uh, defense forces can't service their own planes and stuff, we'll stick around and do it. And Biden was just like, nope, we're getting out. Yeah. We're pulling everybody out. No, everything so he this did has, is, been, has been a debacle, to, this to has say been the least. A, a catastrophic collapse of American foreign policy. And, you know, for Biden to sit there and say things like, well, this isn't like Saigon in 74. Yeah, that was a lot less disorganized. You're not going to see uh, Biden's words. I'm paraphrasing. You're not going to see helicopters lifting people off the roof of the embassy. And did you hear? And then a day later, that's exactly what was happening. Did you hear back in the day when this was happening? Was Biden, Biden was in Congress at that point, wasn't he? 74 he's been in there 50 years so you do the math he's around that time i yeah. heard that he his response to the to the to the people left behind there was pretty heartless just kind of like it is now he doesn't really care um yeah and so you know the democratic party that says they care about women's rights and everything um there are women again reports we're hearing so i'm sure some of this has to be verified were being forcibly removed from their families to marry into the into Taliban uh, to marry Taliban soldiers, um, you know. I mean, it's just it's horrific for them. You've got these Afghani women. There was one at one of the press conferences at the Pentagon, uh, who was an Afghan reporter who said she got out of there 20 years ago. She goes, "We're now back to where we were." Yeah, didn't she break down while she was? Yeah, she did. And look, I don't think we should have been getting in there and staying there was it was gonna end like this but to be in there 20 years and spend all of that money and you know as the saying goes blood and treasure and um just to have this happen and to leave all of those people who've helped us behind and i'll be clear as heartless as it sounds i don't care what happens in afghanistan that's their country it's their mess just like i don't expect other people to care here you know? Right, and then you see these images of these uh, these guys uh, streaming airfields, trying to get onto the last planes leaving. Um, some of them actually held on as a jet was taking off and fell to their deaths. And we're yeah. supposed to feel sorry for these guys. And you take a look at the demographics of all these fuckers, and it's all fighting age men. Where are the women? Yeah. Why are they not taking up to... arms and defending their fucking country and their women and children? Yeah, twenty to thirty-five year old men yeah. trying to get out of it. So there. these and, poor, these poor women. I feel bad for the women and children, of course. I don't feel a fucking lick of of of, of you know sadness for these guys. Yeah, no, I mean, of, of course, everything. But we'll be we'll, every, we'll be bringing them over here. I, I guarantee you that there'll be a bunch of them fuckers brought over here, and uh, they'll be a, peppered amongst them. There'll be you know. Um, uh, Al-Qaeda Al and Taliban sympathizers that will be looking to, you know, to fuck up our shit over here again. And then even the ones that aren't like associated with the Taliban or terrorist organizations will have some resentment towards America for what we did over there and how we how we handled it over there. And they'll they'll be easily turned into terrorists. Well, to the first half of that, I don't think that we should automatically assume that any refugees coming from Muslim countries are necessarily Democrats. Just like we shouldn't always assume that people coming from Central America are Democrats because a lot of them are very conservative. Yeah, I but, didn't I didn't I didn't care if it was Democrat or Republican, right. but I, I think the Democrats are the ones that are gonna allow it as opposed as opposed to the Republicans yeah. at this point. Of well, course there are people the like borders. Crenshaw that says, Hey, bring them all over. These guys were, you know, allies and we let them down. We need to we need to save whoever we can. I'm like, ah, no. Oh, see, this is why you hate Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> No, I, I do feel some obligation to some of these people. And again, uh, I still think 
uh, bringing people who are going to add to this country are helpful. And you can decide on your own whether or not they're going to be but, helpful. But, but I do believe that there will be, as you pointed out, possibly hundreds of them that the Taliban even went, hey, just go. Go with them. I mean, they, yeah. they know our Taliban sympathizers and um, are going to come here and cause trouble. Yeah, and if you're going to bring them over, like they said, there's these uh, translators that were that worked hand in hand with the military, and there's a lot of military guys that say, hey, they were good guys and everything. Fine, yeah, you can you can help those guys. But guess what? If if they're if they're coming over on their own, okay, do, do they not have wives? Do they not have children? What happened to them? Yeah. Are they leaving yeah. them behind to suffer? Stay back, pick up fucking arms, and fight. Yep. So, uh, yeah. yeah, my sympathy is very thin on that on that front. Look, people can say, you know, the the response to that is going to be, oh, tough guy, would you do that if the government was attacking you? I I don't know. I wouldn't. For sure. I wouldn't leave my wife and children. I wouldn't. Exactly. Because you know what's going to happen to them. Everybody's got a limit, and if I if I knew I was going to die defending my family than I would. As a matter of fact, um, I would have more respect for those guys instead of fleeing that if they, you know, take, take their wives and children and, you know, um, drive off a cliff, you know, I, yeah. I, I would have more, I wouldn't, I, no, I wouldn't do that, but I had more respect for them for doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying know. do that. I'm not saying that's a great thing. I'm just, you know, it's, it's like driven to desperation. I could understand that more than I understand them just leaving them behind. Yeah. To be tortured, basically. Oh, here. The, this whole thing, the the stories you're hearing about, one I heard was somebody said these Taliban people are coming and they're taking, they're going house to house and, you know, taking sort of roll call of who's who mm -hmm. and everything. And they're sort of, the the report was sort of smiling evilly at these Amer pro-American people saying, hey, as soon as the Americans are gone, we're coming back for you. And if I knew that was the case and I couldn't get out, I would be like, all right, well, I'm taking a bunch of you guys with me. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah, you would have to. I mean, I, you'd have to die on your feet, not on your knees. So Yeah. Um, yep. I've got a little clip from Joe Biden here. It's about a minute long from his speech. Go ahead. So I'm going to play it. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risk. We planned for every contingency, but I always promised the American people that I would be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. <laughs> the Afghan military collapsed. It's not his fault. It's the Afghan military. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. <laughs> wow. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. This guy, I swear to God, man. You know what? You know what all of that sounded like to me? It sounded like somebody who's been accused of sexually assaulting a woman and the defense was, look what she was wearing. Yeah. And he, he hears, you know what he's doing? He's kind of like uh, he's gaslighting 
which is a term that we love using now that we know what it means. Um, he's kind of saying that this kind of attitude has been his attitude all along in that speech. And, and it hasn't been. Um, yeah, except when he was vice president for eight years. Yeah, and I, I, it's just ridiculous that and he's not taking any responsibility whatsoever for the for the for the flubbed way this turned out. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, there's a a former CIA officer tweeted out uh, this this may become the most infamous and devastating press conference ever held by an American president, and then he's got from um, July eighth. So it was this yeah, year, July 8th. So here we go. Saying it's not a foregone conclusion. Is Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force, against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Well, they're not cowardly shit stains, I guess. Mr. President, thank you. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so, did, not, they didn't, did not resign. So he's throwing all kinds of people under the bus here. The intelligence community under the bus, his generals under the bus, the Afghan military, which, you know, yeah, of course, well, and the president. Here's, here's the combination that we have going. Joe Biden for, uh, you know— Regardless of what you think of a lot of people in Washington, uh, you know, about morally, they're generally fairly intelligent people. I mean, there are some, the squad, for example, is just another uh, common or just another example of really stupid people. And Hank Johnson thinking that uh, Guam is going to tip over. There's idiots like that. But for the most part, it's a reasonably high level of intelligence. Um Joe Biden is not a smart guy. He was never a smart guy, and now he's he, cognitively no, he, impaired. Yeah, he's cog- he's never been intelligent to begin with. He's cognitively impaired. He he has no he's never had a grip on the facts at all. Yeah, he he doesn't want to do the work of president. He just wants to right. be the president. And they've always had a com- uh, a complacent, compliant, conspiratorial uh, uh, media. And yeah. so all of those things have basically you – know, everybody's arguing against somebody. You'll say, well, look, the sky's blue. And they're like, no, that's not blue. That's not what blue is. It's not blue. That's just something you've – no, you're just saying that. You know, you repeat that over and over, and sure, it's true. You're like, that's fucking blue. Yeah. And he's just doing it. No, that's not going to happen. And he thinks sometimes when he's direct and forceful – that's why he gets mad when he gets cornered all the time. You know, uh, because he thinks if he can just try and roll over somebody, but he's never had the gravitas to do that. And so he's just like, no, nope, I never said that. That's not going to happen. That's not what they told me. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. He, and he just he just looks inept. And you have people on the left going, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I mean, there are the msnbc yeah. cnn there are commentators on there who saying this is really really bad yeah i'm actually when i was looking it up on the computer like on google um today uh, i went started with swiss cows but it wasn't very good so i went to google and the first page had msnbc cnn um with negative remarks in the headlines about biden's speech that you never see that so all and this they're, yeah they're turning on and him. some of them aren't even trying to cover for him 
the other turning like, on him. This is bad. And, and he is so um, used to when he was pre- vice president with Obama, seeing the media run cover for Obama like crazy, and so he thought, you know, hey, that's going to work for me too. But there's only so far you can take it. Yeah, that and uh, you know, there's reports coming out again. I'm stuff I'm hearing. I'm not saying any of this is absolutely verifiably true. Stuff you're hearing about, like people in his administration over the last month and a half have been going, we're not understanding the stuff we're being asked to do. Like, like they're saying this just seems crazy. And so like, they're almost sort of saying Joe's losing it. No, they said lots of stuff like that about Trump too. So take it for what it's worth. But there was a guy, um, I, I'll post the video on, uh, on, uh, bread and circuses, uh, podcast page, Facebook page. But there's uh, there's a guy who was on with Brian Williams. I've got the clip if you want to hear it. Yeah, play that. It it is about a minute and a half, just extreme takedown. It's Army vet. um, He's uh, Army veteran Matt Zeller is his name. So he uh, so Brian Williams um, basically licking Biden's asshole, and uh, this guy comes and goes. Are you kidding me? So here we go. So I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president, didn't run from it, he owned it. He owned his decision, he owned the fact that as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I, I don't, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound bold-faced lie in that speech, the idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks that we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, 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 he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught? No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now, and what I am appalled that the president didn't say, was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out. Yeah, so a lot of that I agreed with, and then the little bit of, you know, we need to get them all out. Yeah, but where are we going to put them? Are they coming here? That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, I mean, we can't just take everybody no. all the time. I mean, they, but... if, they, if they could redistribute them someplace, you know, an ally, and uh, you know, like, you know, even Pakistan or something would take take them in, I can see that. Um, but I can see this guy. I, the, the guy had some also, good points. I also think that those are the kinds of people who will come here and appreciate the freedoms we have. Yeah, some of them absolutely would. Um, but then they'd be very, I think they'd still have every right to be resentful of how we, how we, you know, did everything over there. So, um, Well, I don't know if it would, I don't know, would it be a whole lot different than the Hmong people who've come here? I mean, uh, there was a, there was sort of an awkward, because tra- they helped us out in Vietnam, 
and Laos and all that. And uh, we went back and brought a bunch of them over. A lot of them settled in Minnesota here. And uh, there was sort of an awkward generational change where they kind of still, the generation that came over sort of culturally still did stuff the way they did over there. But, I mean, their kids have grown up here and assimilated just fine. And they, I mean, yeah. they're productive members of society. And they appreciate what we've got here. And a lot of those same people are saying, hey, you know, it's not that long ago that we we're living in a place that sucked a ton. So stop doing what you're doing. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to bringing some over, but it'd have to be a very stringent vetting process to get them here. So yeah, I, mean, I agree. It wouldn't be like just open the doors and everybody in, and we'll figure it out later because that that doesn't work. Now, this guy, so well, that's that's what we're doing now. Army veteran Matt Zeller, he did he mentioned something which we didn't hear in the speech because it was just a clip of uh, where he said Biden said that they didn't really want to leave. You know. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, Democrat, um, Representative Seth Malt. Moulton from Massachusetts rebuked president's claim that some Afghans weren't evacuated from evacuated from the country sooner because they didn't want to leave. He goes, that's utter BS in a press conference Tuesday. I mean, don't tell me that Afghans don't want to leave when there's been a backlog of special immigrant visa applications for over a decade. Don't tell me they don't want to leave when they're literally clinging to airplanes and trying to get out of this country. That was the single part of the president's speech that I not only disagreed with, but I thought was just utter BS. And he goes, um, I know there are concerns about why we did not begin evacuating, Af evacuating Afghan civilians sooner. Part of the answer is some of the Afghans did not want to leave earlier. That's what Biden said. This is That's his quote. So, yeah. Yeah, this is just, this is a mess. And the thing is, you can... These, a lot of these guys are saying we, we, we need to get these people out that helped us, but that's 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 not the, the that's not the main thrust or point of this. We what what we did um, by doing it this way gave we gave the Taliban the ultimate recruitment material. We gave them all yeah. kinds of military vehicles and weapons. We gave them the the presidency, you know, the the whatever the building they built for the uh, for their their um, you know. Um, their version of of politics, government, you know, government yeah. over there. Um, they we gave them that, and Twitter is allowing them to basically uh, post videos of them strutting around in the in these uh, government centers now um, that they took over and showing off um, well, military vehicles. So we've got people that are going to be resentful that we that we what we did over there, however we handled it, they're going to be resentful, and then they're going to see a strong Taliban saying we fucked those guys up and we got their shit join us and that's a huge recruitment tool well one of the things that we didn't play in that last clip of that uh, vet was he was talking about you know now they're not afraid of us he said they are terrified of us he says the reason they're not killing americans right now is they don't want us coming back and yeah. fucking them up yeah they don't and but he, he says but yeah. as soon as the americans are gone yeah. they're gonna kill everybody they don't like and and they're gonna be uh, well they're gonna be recruiting people like crazy now because well, because they because just strength shows when you when you show strength like that which is what they what they what people are going to perceive over there that was strength perceived strength well I mean it is actual strength and then you've got fucking Twitter allowing them uh, bans the president bans a bunch of Republicans but the, the the Taliban can fucking go on Twitter and show videos strutting around the fucking uh, the, you know their their conquests yeah I you know I think look I think platforms like Twitter uh, have probably seen their heyday. I think uh, 
this is just going to start going backwards on some of them for things for reasons exactly like this um it's such a minority of the population anyway it's just the it it's just the media for the most part um and social influencers and stuff it it, it it's not serious it's not serious news people anymore because if you have an opinion if you dissent at all they just shut you off you know and you can't keep shutting people off with millions of followers and they follow somebody else who says the same thing and they get shut off. I mean, there's, there's uh, lefties getting shut off now. I mean, Glenn Greenwald has been cut off of Twitter. I think um, not exactly a hardcore righty. And uh, I think uh, Alex Berenson, who we've mentioned before has been taken off. It's not going to be long before people like Matt Taibbi are gone to, yeah. you know, that's why everybody's moving to like Substack and stuff like that, yeah. which will, probably be the new parlor that you know google and apple decide they're not going to carry and yeah um so i mean it's it's just stupid i i don't think that the powers that be like in washington and the media and stuff are understanding what's coming for them um and, and what i mean is like in the things like the the school board fights that are happening all of a sudden i think some of these especially on a more local level, sort of lefty strongholds are looking around going, holy shit, where did all this resistance come from? Yeah. Well, it came from people who finally just said, you know what, I've just been pushed too far. You've been able to get by relying on my better nature to not want to have the fight with you, you know? Well, and the so, fact that that the, the right-wing conservative people generally work, keep their nose to the grindstone work, you know, do what they need to do, you know, deal with their family. They're not into political activism like the left is. And so the left is louder, they're squeakier. And then, you know, pretty soon the, the right has to stand up and, and get, get involved. Well, and I think that's what's coming and we're starting to see the, you know, the, uh, the fallout from what the left has done with the right it's showing up specifically like in these school board meetings where people are showing up and saying, we're not doing this anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of people who had a very dormant or what gene to steal uh, Gavin McGinnis's line um, are starting to say, you know, when people say, put the mask on, they're going, mm, or what, yeah. you know, you have to in New York city, you, if you run a business, you're, you have to have someone now who's checking, uh, vaccine uh, um, credentials for people. And there's a lot of businesses saying, I'm not going to do it. I just saw today, today a headline, something about uh, New York City, they're not even allowing medical exemptions. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So you're going to push people far enough. And what what worries me, you know, I've always talked about like these black flag events you know, or something. I don't think the country's ever going to be in a civil war, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see there be some very large event where a lot of people get hurt. And where the the seeds of that thing is going to be like in this uh, eviction moratorium when the Supreme Court says you can't do it anymore. We're giving you two months to get it figured out. And Congress just goes, excuse me, Congress just says, eh, yeah, maybe. And they just table it. And so Biden has extended it through the CDC, which has no authority to do it. You know, so these banks are coming after these uh, uh, property owners who can't get their people to pay them. In the meantime, they can't evict them. 
and the people are trashing their buildings, you know, and they're going to wind up having to sell off to these bigger companies. We talked about this before. But the problem the left I don't think is prepared for is, and it doesn't take a lot of people to do this, people on the right saying, if the rule of law doesn't count anymore, you know, then the gloves are off. And what does that mean? I don't think it means there will be some violent overthrowing of the government. What I think it means is there's going to be people resisting in places that they haven't seen resistance before. You know, it will be people just openly flaunting the law saying, you know, you can have your executive orders and all that stuff, but you didn't follow ours. So we're not following yours. You know, it's going to be people like, well, like me, to be honest, if I have to go into my kid's school, um, I'm going to go in there without a mask on. And if they say, uh, you have to take the mask off or put the mask on or you have to leave. I'll be like, are you sure? Is that really what you want to do? And if they go, yeah, so we're going to call the police. I'll go, okay, fine, and I'll leave. But I'm not putting the mask on. I, I would actually wait until the, until the police escort you out. No, I wouldn't because I, to be, to be honest, as much as I appreciate what police do, I think there's too many of them right now who are waiting for you to do something. Yeah. You know, it was like the guy who called into Matt and Blonde's show who said he went into the store, he got followed around by the, it was a Walmart. He got followed around by the night manager person and he was checking out and a cop shows up and the cop's like, you got to leave. He goes, well, I'm just going to finish ringing my stuff out. The cop goes, no, you're not. You're leaving. Or the manager says, no, you're not. You're leaving right now. And he said he went, okay. And he went to move around the cop and the cop kind of moved. And he, it was a woman and he moved again. She moved. And he goes, I feel like she was trying to get me to bump into her. Hmm. Like she was trying to get me to do something. Yeah. And I don't think that is most cops, but I would not put that past 15 or 20% of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess I, I just, yeah, I guess I, I still would probably make them call the police, but I'd probably try to be very, you know, not, excuse me, very non-threatening <clears throat> to the cop because I wouldn't want to escalate with the police, but because exactly what you said, but yeah, I wouldn't make them, I'd make them call the police. So I, I would, they would, they would have to, uh, and I would, if, if nobody's seen this, Matt Walsh did go to his, uh, school board. I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, no, it wasn't his. Uh, well, it's it w- not his school board. Well, he's a taxpayer for that. He was allowed to go because he's a taxpayer. And so it was in his in his neck of the woods. You know, it was his. Well, I think you're allowed to go no matter what, because okay. if you if you live in that state. OK, so but maybe he said he'll go he'll go to any of these people want him to go. Okay. To. Yeah, he doesn't have kids in school. I think they're his or homeschooled. Um, but yeah. he, he says, I pay taxes and I'm actually legitimately concerned about what's happening to these kids. So I'm going to speak up. And he had a great speech uh, in front of the board. Um, so if you ever get a chance to see that, um, yeah, definitely take a look. Clay Travis had one too, uh, where his kids actually go to school. Okay. And look, it, I was surprised to find this out. There are no studies, medical studies that have been done that prove that masks work. No. Yeah. Yep. And they said, if it's going to work, it has to be an N95. It has to be fitted to you and it has to be worn correctly. What percentage of kids will even count the high schoolers are doing that? I think zero. 
and them rounding. Yeah. I think, yes, there may be some, but in the, if the, the percentage of kids doing it and all the kids that are in school in the country, it's the percentage is effectively zero. You know, I know yeah. my kids wear like the, the gator things and that's acceptable. Like that thing is not protecting you from anything. Yeah. And it's not protecting anybody else either. So the, they're absolutely stupid. This is Kabuki theater. It, it is just, you know, they're not concerned with social distancing or washing your hands like they were before. There's not this run on hand sanitizer where you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. You can go to but the then, dollar store and buy 12 of them. But then they wonder why people are reticent or people don't trust the vaccine when they know the masks are bullshit and everybody's telling them, no, no, it's great. It's, it's important and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, it's not. And I know better. And then they tell you, oh, the vaccine's important. It's a great thing. You know, no wonder why people go, oh, I don't trust you. I just don't trust. Well, you. here's why people don't trust the vaccine. They're not working. That's that's the, also that everything they said the vaccines were were created to do. They're not doing. Now they might be. There's some evidence to suggest that they lessen your symptoms. That's not but what they, they promised, though. But they're right. They're not stopping you from getting it. So, you know? but you know, at least we're not getting what's happening here. What's happening in um, Australia is—I uh, mean, it's incredible what's going on in Australia. Well, the capital city of Canberra, which is uh, four hundred thousand people, locked the city down last week. Lockdown, military rolling in—you can't go anywhere. Blah blah blah. You know how many cases they had? Uh, I know. I don't know how many cases, but I know how many deaths. Zero. What deaths? Yeah, zero deaths. I thought it was one 80-year-old man. Was that from before? No, that wasn't in Canberra. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. They Got had it. one, one case, one positive case. Yeah. In a city of 400,000 people. And who's to say that's even COVID <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I know. This is crazy. Um, but also, uh, there's a video I saw. Um, uh, Paul Joseph Watson has a video here and uh, an Australian man says he was forcibly imprisoned in a mental asylum for having a different opinion on COVID. And uh, worst of all, his own wife, his own wife turned him in. And uh, so there's a video of this guy and I'm going to play a little bit of it. We're not going to do the whole thing, but um, the guy, well, seemed... first of all, first of all, who turned him in doesn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, Cause that's, yeah. you know, well, that's just how it goes. That's kind of, <laughs> kind of how it's going. All right, here we go. A man in Australia claims he was involuntarily sectioned in a mental health asylum because of his opinions on the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, really. The 47-year-old man who goes by the name Chris released a video from inside the mental asylum describing what happened to him just a couple of days ago. The father of two young girls, Chris says he's a professional, has a respectable career, and never expected anything like this to happen to him. But today, um, I was visited by two police officers and um, two mental health practitioners in Western Australia um, and I was advised that I needed to go for a medical assessment. Um, I was taken uh, involuntarily in a uh, ambulance to Fiona Stanley Hospital in Perth um, and here where I've um, endured a so-called psychological assessment so I'm not going to do the whole video. It's like four minutes long, but he's very reasonable. And he goes, he's just, you could tell he's just like flabbergasted. He's like, they basically told me that I can't remember the terminology, but they said that I have a personality disorder that makes me defiant. And, and, uh, yeah. And he, he showed a picture around. This is where they have me locked up now <laughs> in here. 
And he goes, and worst of all, it's my wife who works for um, a pharmacy or pharmacist uh, basically turned me in. So for saying, you know, he was he wasn't he wasn't falling for all the vaccine uh, hype and all that. And uh, okay, so let me run a hypothetical past you here. You're married. Your wife turns you in. You wind up going to the mental institution. You you deal with this stuff for a week or whatever. They put on your record that you're defiant and all this stuff. What happens when you get out and get home? Uh, nothing good. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, somebody's packing their shit and leaving. Yeah. That's uh, it. That's over. And the kids are coming with. Yeah, no shit. So, and as a matter but of fact, not it, according to the state. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it, it, yeah, the, it, that, that's the res, a recipe for violence right there. So, and, and I'm I'm not saying it should happen, but that's a recipe for violence, that kind of a situation. So, yeah, I don't know what's more disturbing. I I move back and forth. It used to be to me how many people were putting up with this, but now it's starting to be how many people are fine with the government stepping in and all this stuff. Well, a lot of people is, seem to enjoy. Well. A lot of people enjoy being this um, controlled. They just like it. They're not. It's it's a completely foreign attitude. Like it, it's not something Americans should harbor. That kind of attitude of take care of me. Um, but it seems to me that uh, you know it's most. I mean, I'm. It's a lot of Americans. I shouldn't say most, but God, it's a lot that, See, that have I, that attitude. Honestly, I don't agree. I don't think it's that they like to be controlled. I think they like to be told what to do by people they like and people who agree with them. Because those same people that we want to say want to be controlled when Trump was in there lost their fucking minds. Because yeah. they just they couldn't stand the idea that the guy was there. He wasn't he wasn't doing anything to interfere with their lives whatsoever other than tweeting mean stuff no they want to be taken care of i guess is not not controlled but that being taken care of is being controlled so i think they want to be taken more along i think it's more along the lines that they want to be safe and then uh uh, this popped into my mind so i'm gonna have to bring it up some fucking talking head uh was was saying that uh she was on a four panel talking head thing on one of the msnbc or cbs or whatever talking about how the um, the people most resistant to getting the vaccination are uh, are the um, the rural whites is what she was saying, which yeah. is complete bullshit, right there. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's demonstrably, provably false. Yeah, um, it turns out that it's it's an inconvenient truth that it's blacks that are that are most uh, reluctant to get the vaccine. Um, Inner city blacks, yeah. But she doesn't want to say that. And then she was basically saying, if you're conservative and you're rural, that you're that's and you're. And I don't understand why they're just falling for this and they're spreading this and all that kind of stuff. It's a, uh, it's. And I had another point to make on that. Damn it! What were we talking about before that? Uh, people want to be safe versus people want to be controlled. Oh well, yeah, I had another. I had well, another relevant point uh, because of that, but I forgot. What bothers me is the people who you know. And and people do this all the time. They make these strawman arguments of like, if you didn't get vaccinated, you're an anti-vaxxer. Look, my kids are vaccinated for all the stuff you're supposed to be vaccinated for. I am vac. I have been vaccinated through my life for many things. Um, you know, I had a friend. I think I mentioned this before. I had said that the only flu shot I ever got was when I went in to get a tetanus shot, and the doctor said, "Come on, get the flu shot. You're sitting here." I was like, "All right, fine. Don't want to argue with him, right?" 
because mm-hmm. um, I liked him and it wasn't that big a deal. And um, I just wasn't up for the fight that day. Um, but I've, I'm not against flu shots. I've just never felt like I needed one. I had the flu a couple times. It sucked, but you know, I just, I figured it was the luck of the draw. Oh, and I, yeah. I generally don't like chemicals injected in my body for reasons. I don't think I need them. So, yeah. you know, this friend said, Oh, you got a tetanus shot. I'm like, yeah, cause if you get tetanus, you die, yeah. you know? So here's a, here's a virus that if I get, I'm 99.99987% likely to survive given my age and my health and my lack of comorbidities. Um, and I'm just not sure I want to take a, a vaccine that a year and a half ago didn't exist. Um, and does something. have documented side effects. Yeah. And if you told me, uh, I'll say it again, I've said it times many times on here before, if there was an Ebola virus, and there was an Ebola uh, strain running through the country, and they said, this is experimental, I would be like, fucking give it to me. I don't care if it's grow a third head. But you'd also, you'd also know people. You, you'd see that people were being affected by Ebola. You'd, you would have firsthand knowledge of holy shit. Yeah, would, you get you Ebola, know. you die. You die horribly. Oh, really quick, I got to go back. I remembered why I was talking about this woman. So she also said that, uh, you know, these these people are typically, you know, conservatives and and. You know, it seems to me that they are going against the vaccine um, purely out of political reasons. It's almost as if they're doing it against um, Democrats because Democrats want it. And they're doing it out of spite, she said. And I'm like, you fucking cunt. Uh, which is which is no different than the Democrats did when Trump. Was well, and, and here's the thing. When Trump first came out and said, we need to we need to get a vaccine for this and we need to really roll and we need to get these guys and, and really fast track this. I was skeptical. I wasn't like raw, raw vaccine Trump. And if we go back and, and talk or go to our, our episodes when he was talking about that, I was skeptical at that point. I was like, I'm not I'm not on board with this. I think this is not the greatest idea because this doesn't seem like more than the flu at this point. And, and you know, you couldn't say that back then, but you can now. Um, well, so to say that but, was because people are Trump and it's all political and, and just because Trump um, made the vaccine or, or, or um, uh Wait, yeah, uh, just because he's Trump, you'll do whatever Trump says. Well, uh, Trump was the guy who pushed the vaccine, and I, I, just because it was Trump didn't make me want to go, oh, yeah, go get jabbed. Well, and here's the thing. I've mentioned this many times. I'm going to mention it again because it's, it's the uh, foundation for all of this. It's the reason you feel that way is because you have principles. How you feel about something doesn't change based on who's telling you yeah. what's going on. It's... If, if you think I'm not sure about this vaccine because I'm not sure about our government, I'm not sure about, you know, how quickly I don't trust Fauci, whatever, um, you know, y- you can say that stuff. But if, if you're reluctant, regardless of who's in office, based on the idea that you're, you're saying, you know, a year ago, 18 months ago, this didn't exist, and I'm not sure I want to take it, that's different than if you say, when Trump was pushing it, I didn't want it. Now that Biden's in office, I'll line, sign me up. Yeah. Or vice versa. Well, and what she was you saying know? also was another example of gaslighting, where she was saying that the people on the right of the conservatives are anti-vax because the Democrats want it. Well, no. No, it's because, uh, Trump was the guy that was pushing it in the first place. So you can't you can't say that. Yeah. Ugh, nonsense. Um, 
We need to talk. Uh, I know we're running on time here, but we do need to talk about this uh, Jennifer Carnahan issue in Minnesota here. Yeah. Uh, um, Jennifer Carnahan is the uh, chair of the Republican Party of Minnesota and is married to Jim Hagedorn, who is the representative. I forget which district it's in, but it's basically all of western Minnesota. Um, very rural area. Um, very conservative, but before um, before this last election cycle, uh, Colin Peterson, who was a very conservative Democrat, had been uh, in office there for 15 or 20 years, something like that. So Jim Hagedorn uh, took over. He's married to Jennifer Carnahan. Um, and uh, so something has come out that this Anton Lazaro, I think is his name, is yeah. a major mover and shaker in Republican politics in Minnesota. And this story is very new. So if I don't have all the details, I'm sorry, but, um, I've got an article. We bring here it up because go we, we got to bring it up because we got to go, you know, if we're going to have any integrity and have any principles, we got to go after wrongdoing regardless of which side it's on. And apparently this guy has been arrested for filming, uh, underage porn in his condo. Yeah. And this and, is the same guy that's just before he got arrested. Um, put out a, a story about uh, having DNA evidence that uh, um, uh, what's her, what's her name? The, um, boy, my brain stopped working. Ilhan Omar. Ilhan. Thank you. Ilhan Omar um, married her brother and that he, she threw away a cigarette at one point and that they got DNA evidence out the cigarette. And this guy's, you know, that, that he put that out just like a day before he got arrested. So Which people are trying to say, yeah, people are trying to say now that oh this the reason he got arrested is because they're trying to shut him up. No, this guy's a piece of shit. From what from what I understand, um, well, and it sounds like a lot of staffers within the or within the Republican Party knew that. So here's an article from uh, Bring Me the News. It's called and uh, Minnesota GOP Chairwoman Jennifer Carnahan is facing calls to resign in the wake of the arrest and indictment for child sex trafficking of a close friend and donor. The arrest of Ant. Anton Tony Lazaro on Tuesday, on Thursday, sorry, had sparked turmoil within the Minnesota GOP after it emerged that he was a significant donor to more than a dozen prominent state Republicans and party campaigns. Republicans who received donations from Lazaro have quickly said they would be donated them after he was indicted on 10 charges, including six for child sex trafficking. But it is his close links with Carnahan and her husband, First District Congressman Jim Hagedorn, that is now putting greater pressure on the party to the extent that some members are not calling for Carnahan's resignation. Uh, Lazaro rose to prominence in the Minnesota GOP after he became part of the team that helped Carnahan unexpectedly ascend the role of chair in 2017. Their relationship continued with Lazaro, one of the few invited to Carnahan and Hagedorn's 2018 wedding in California. The pair hosted a podcast together in 2019 and 20 entitled uh, Hashtag Truth Matters, and Hagedorn was the recipient of Lazaro's largest donations to the tune of $31,000. So, well, and Jennifer Carnahan, people will say, has done a lot for the Republican Party. We haven't won a statewide election with her in charge. No. So it's not like she's – no, that's not easy to do in Minnesota as a Republican. So there is that caveat. But um, – I mean, she, I think, is turning out to be a perfect example of, you know, your dyed-in-the-wool political animal that is in it for, you know, their own uh, glory and their own enrichment. And uh, I think at this point it's pretty clear she's got to go, just like it was pretty clear that uh, Cuomo had to go as governor. So um, I, I think 
You know, it's not just because, I mean, obviously innocent till proven guilty, but that, that matters for criminal cases and things like that. It doesn't matter for the court of public opinion. And it is not going to serve the Republican Party in Minnesota well to have Jennifer Carnahan running it. So she should get out. Yeah, and then she was trying to distance herself, saying she didn't really know the guy. And then it comes to find out that she did the podcast with him. And there's uh, this article has a big picture of her um, with Lazaro and her husband, arms around each other at a Viking game, smiling for the camera. Um, Why I mean, is it that people think they can say this bullshit and no one will figure it out? Yeah, I don't get that. When they say, well, I didn't really know him that well. Come on. Here's the last uh, um, paragraph here. Raising eyebrows in the wake of Lazaro's arrest is a revelation that authorities seized $371,000 in cash and more in foreign currency, as well as hundreds of thousands of dollars worth more in gold and other precious metals in Lazaro's possession. So the guy... Uh, <laughs> the guy's no, I as hell. I, I certainly think somebody could set someone up. I yeah. mean, if you went after Ilhan Omar... I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you had some charges against you, but I, I guess I mean ten that's of them? 10 of them and finding all this money and shit. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just I can't way too much I, smoke. I just can't imagine. I don't know. It's just it's just bizarre to me that that this would even happen. So but I think these people just think they're untouchable. Could and be. they don't they don't have principles. They don't have sort of uh um, bedrock sort of beliefs that they have. It's just whatever they can do to enrich themselves and, uh, you know, get power. And I mean, I know at one point Jennifer Carnahan a couple of years ago was claiming she didn't make enough money and she was trying to get, uh, um, she's trying to get the Republican party to pay her more, yeah. um, based on the fundraising she was doing. And apparently she's done a lot of fundraising. Well, it hasn't done anybody any good because they haven't won any elections. Right. And, you know, other than her husband in a district that he probably should have won one in. But, uh, and again, also not statewide, but I, I do think, um, you know, this, this just looks really bad. Uh, you know, it's all about money and power and influence of people like that. And in the end, they just got to go. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I'm, uh, I do I, think know. by the time we do our next episode, she'll be out though. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it sounds to me like like this guy is a real turd, but yeah, you never know. I mean, maybe it was a setup. Who knows? They did try to set up um, Matt Gates over kind of something similar. So, why? Well, I, I mean, I still I'm not going to say he was or wasn't set up. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't I, know still, enough about that whole situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I before we go though, uh, one thing I said that teleprompter said leave now at the end of his speech. It turns out that that was I guess bullshit. It's a doctored picture. So, yeah, it's funny. I, I I was listening to the last episode and I made some mistakes. Uh, one that uh, I think was uh, uh, I I congratulated Megan Rapino on winning fifth place, and it turns out they actually got a bronze medal. But uh, okay. nobody remembers who who won bronze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the picture. Uh, the picture see, is by pretty. The way, see by the way that Megan Rapino is uh, she might be losing her subway endorsement because all the franchises oh, yeah. all the franchise say fuck this we don't want her and then uh, she actually has teammates now stepping up and saying that she's a bully <laughs> well I, to be honest again uh, I don't know if that's true I mean the one who um, allegedly the one who said that yeah no the one who said that is Hope Solo and she is certifiably nuts oh yeah I mean, yeah, she, yeah yeah I didn't know it and, was her and she wasn't she wasn't on this team either. Yeah, I didn't know it was Hope Solo that said that. <laughs> yeah, it's Hope Solo. And then I saw something the other day. So Carly Lloyd, who um, 
who was the one member who didn't kneel. And they said, oh, Carly Lloyd resigns, you know, because she was the one who uh, was uncomfortable with the kneeling and blah, blah, blah. Well, you read the article and all it says is the 39-year-old uh, Carly Lloyd, who didn't kneel, is retiring from the team. And her statement says, you know, hey, it's been a good long run and I'm, I'm ready to be done. So there was nothing in there other than the headline to tie that to the kneeling thing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, you know, Megan Rapinoe, said, everybody is, uh, everybody that she sees now keeps saying, so you're going to retire? You're going to retire? And she's like, why do people keep asking me if I'm going to retire? Well, two reasons. One, you're 36 years old and everybody's fucking sick of you. Yep. So, and the team's not getting better with you around. And so, you deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she enjoys that, uh, that uh, bronze medal she earned. I've got one more video to play this that we didn't get to um, for might as well play it uh, about the, uh, uh, the failed uh, um, pullout of uh, Afghanistan. Uh, There's a CNN reporter that uh, was covering the uh, takeover of Afghanistan and her name's uh, Clarissa Ward. Have you heard of, heard of her? No. Did she call it mostly peaceful <laughs> with cars burning in the background? Yeah, let's play this real quick. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> they're chanting, chanting death, they're to, chanting America death what? to America, but at the same time, they seem very friendly. It's just utterly bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so she, and what's funny is she had been reporting up up to this point, you know, the week a week ahead of this, and she had not been wearing the uh, the hijab, but now she's all decked out in the old hijab, not showing oh, any ankle yeah, either, I'm sure. So, uh, so she interviewed the commander. So, um, she better watch out, or she's going to get forcibly married off to a goat herder. <laughs> So she had been following Taliban sweeping offensive over the last week. Uh, CNN's report out of Afghanistan came only one day after Taliban forces were able to sweep into Kabul and take control of the presidential palace, which the existing government led by President Ashraf Ghani fled as the Taliban encircled the city. Uh, we should say he fled with a lot of money. Uh, oh, so of course she, he did. They so always she, do. So she says, this is a sight I honestly thought I would never see, Ward said as she stood in front of a group of armed Taliban soldiers. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. Ward then interviewed the commander of the small group who asserted that everything is under control and that everything will be fine. Um, and he goes, uh, while warning America that they need to leave and noting that they've already lost lives and lots of money. So the reporter then said that citizens come up to the soldiers to pose for photographs before the video cut to the group chanting, Akbar, in unison outside the embassy. Um, or were they saying, um, oh, they're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe they're saying, well, you maybe they were, funny. you know what they were saying? They were saying Aloha snack bar. Yeah. You know what's funny is they give Trump a bunch of shit about how he was pulling out of there and, you know, this is a disaster. But, um, you know, I don't know how many troops we had in the country, but uh, somebody said this is the worst drawdown in history because we sent 6,000 troops back. So we had like 2,500 on the ground and we haven't lost anybody in 18 months. No American soldier has died in in uh, Afghanistan yeah. in a year and a half, which I find amazing. Yeah. But we only have 2,500 on the ground, and they have, according to Joe Biden, 75,000 Taliban. Yeah. And our 2,500 were enough to intimidate their 75,000. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think the idea that, uh, you know, we had to, we had to get out of there and we had to do it right now. Uh, uh, look, like I said at the beginning, I'm all for getting out of there. I'm tired of us spending, I mean, Germany, Japan, uh, South Korea, fuck it. Let's get our people out of there too. You know, why are we spending money in those countries to do that stuff? Yeah. You know, but, uh, I think we could have done this in a much better fashion that would have allowed some people to leave. And I mean, it's, it doesn't look like they were doing anything to us anyway. So I don't know. But yeah, this this place was always going to descend into madness because that's yeah. what it has always been. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with most of what you said early on that uh, this should have ended a long time ago, and we we should have done what the military does is break shit and say you want us to fucking come back and do it again, and that's yeah. it, and then leave and go just fucking you know mind your business basically. Well, I did hear someone say, you know, we spent 20 years teaching their people how to fight and they cut and, or their men how to fight and they cut and ran as soon as they, they had a chance to. Um, and yes, there are mitigating factors in there, like that video earlier explained, but <laughs> the joke was maybe we should have trained the women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because well, they're the ones that are going to bear the brunt of this. And, and there are stories that you've heard where, you know, you hear the soldiers saying, you know, that we had great relationships with the, uh, with the interpreters and with, you know, with training the soldiers. And then you see these videos of these training, these just utterly incompetent people to be soldiers. Like they, they yeah. couldn't do anything. They were trying to teach them how to like work on the, the Humvees. Have you seen that video? It, no. was, it was laughable. It was like, it was like you could have told them there was blinker fluid and they would have believed it. Um, were they like hitting it with rocks? I was. It stuff? was close to that. It was really close to that. And you could wait, tell wait, it. wait, back up. Are you saying there's no such thing as blinker fluid? <laughs> yeah, but there are muffler belts, so you got to get those. Well, because I just, I just saw a picture on Facebook of a jar of blinker fluid that says it's good for like five thousand blinks. <laughs> so I mean, I ordered some through Amazon because it was on sale. Oh but... well, I ordered a can of dehydrated water. So. <laughs> well, that's like that kid um, in the late 90s who, st who tried to start a petition on uh, we have to get rid of uh, dihydrogen monoxide. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> People like, yeah, and it's, it's water. Because in high quantities, <laughs> it can kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, to finish my point, though, they, these soldiers were saying that, uh, that, you know, that they had good relationships. But there's also a lot of reports and soldiers saying these fuckers were stabbing us in the back left and right. They, they yeah. were, they were, I mean, we got not, not just shooting us in the back. Like these guys, you couldn't trust these fuckers in, in, the, in these militaries because they they did a drop of the hat. They'd fucking uh, shoot you in the back and join the other side. So. Yeah, because what they respect is uh, strength and power, and that's it. They don't respect democracy or yeah. other people's rights. Yeah, we don't. Uh, and, and even though Crenshaw said that wasn't the point, we weren't nation building over there. I don't believe that because we're doing everything that uh, you do to build a nation. And uh, yeah. these people don't want a nation built by us with our values. They want a nation built by them, by their values. And they can, you know, they can, if they, if they don't like it, they can uprise and, and fight against the Taliban. And if, if they, um, you know, if they can live with the Taliban, they'll let them live with the Taliban, Taliban, you know? See, if they'd have done something like we're doing in Guantanamo, where they just basically said, look, I know we were leaving the country, but this part of the country, we're not leaving. We're using this for a base. I mean, that's what we basically did in Guantanamo. We didn't negotiate with the Cuban government yeah. to keep a force there. We just went, yeah, this is in our interest to keep it here. If they'd have done that. Yeah, I could respect um, that, yeah. Yeah, instead of trying to say, hey, let's make your 
you know, country work, uh, you know, if they had just said, eh, we're not going anyplace, you know, it, it serves our purposes to be here. I would have some respect for that at least, but that's not what we did. Well, I've got another thing to talk about, but it's too late. We'll do it next week. Hopefully. I'm sure we've always got way too much to talk about, but I want I'm to sure get a, something else will come up a little so. taste of what this is. This is a, a clip from Jimmy Fallon, his opening monologue. I'm just going to play, okay. play the clip. It's 10 seconds long, play the clip. And then we're going to discuss what this means. Here we go. Here's the results of the 2020 census just came out. And for the first time in American history, the number of white people went down. So uh, did you hear that? Yeah. Uh, so the, the 20, 20 census came out in the, in the first time in history that there's uh, less white people. So the population of, of white people has decreased for the first time. And so Jimmy Fallon says that, and he gets a rousing, raucous cheers and applause. And he goes, his, his response to that is, oh, that's an interesting reaction to that. And then he kind of carries on. And I have a bigger thing to say about this. So we'll talk about this next time. Well, the only thing I'll add to that real quick is, and yet Donald Trump got more Republican votes than any other Republican president. So it just shows that, you know, you can talk this identity politics stuff all you want, but that's not how people actually act. Well, and we can also talk about the anti-white racism that's just been ratcheting up over the last six, seven years. <clears throat> you don't have I'm... to call it anti-white racism. You just call it racism because that's what it is. Well, it's it's targeted against whites, so you have to say which group it's targeted against. So just be anti-black racism is anti against black people. Well, the racism against white people right now has been ramping up. Yeah, um, and exactly. Then, and then, uh, you know, it's just anybody that has says anything about that, they try to get, well, I keep saying gaslight, but they try to gaslight and say, no, that's not what we said. And, or they, if people say, hey, you know, it seems like there's some sort of an agenda and they go, there's no agenda. You're a racist for saying it. And they go, by the way, the agenda is, is, is working. You know, it's like, it's like, what are you, it's like two, they're saying two things out of both sides of their mouth. And then you've got people like Jimmy Fallon's audience that are hooting and hollering and clapping. And, and, and what, what would the reason for that be? If that was, if Jimmy Fallon had said, and we weren't going to get into this, but if Jimmy Fallon had said in, in uh, Uganda, the black population, and for the first time in, in uh, history, the black population is declining in Uganda. And if people went, woo, yeah. What, what do you think the response would be? <laughs> you know, uh, it's a perfect example of white supremacy right there. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to get into it. We'll, we'll probably talk more about this next week, though. So if you want to contact yeah. us in the meantime, uh, email is rooster at bread and circuses podcast dot com or crow at bread and circuses podcast dot com. And we would really appreciate any ratings on uh, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Uh, I think, I think I, Apple is the one that really yeah, uh, matters Apple the most. Would, Apple would be great, and uh, if it's anything less than five stars, Crow will take exception. Uh, but the best place to interact with us is our Facebook page, Bread and Circuses Podcast. See you, bye.